August 2023 episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things ranked choice voting. I'm Kelly, a member of the Resource Center staff, and in today's episode, I'll be talking with Matthew Ruberg, our new RCTAB project director, and Armin Sammy, RCTAB developer and RCVRC friend, about the recent RCTAB updates and what's next. Wow, that's a tongue twister, guys. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on here today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. Matthew, let's start with you. We are so excited that you're a part of our staff now. Um, You started, gosh, what, three, four weeks ago? I think it was two weeks this Monday. Two weeks this Monday. Fantastic. So you're our new RCTAB project director. Tell us a little bit about Matthew. Sure. So I have had a winding path to get here to the RCV Resource Center, but I've been a fan of ranked choice voting for a couple years now. And I think it all started uh, like in school. I got a poli-sci degree. I went to the University of Kentucky and uh, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, but that didn't happen. I ended up doing software development, like outside of school. I always thought computers were cool and I was interested in them. And I did that for five or six years. But then Kelly, we've met in person now and you know that I'm a huge extrovert. I like talking a lot. So I was happy to be on the podcast. Pretty much my brother from another mother because I'm the other team extrovert. And so I think I realized that being in front of the computer all day wasn't for me. So I moved a little bit and I did some technical project management. That's interesting, Matthew. I'm going to interrupt you here for just a second, because when I went to college at the University of North Carolina, by the way, I'm an ACC girl, not an SEC girl. So (laughs) I have to throw that that college rivalry in there a little bit. I was a chemistry major and I found the same thing that I did not have the personality for a chemistry lab. I enjoyed talking far too much for uh, my lab partners. So (laughs) sorry to interrupt you, but I thought that was another good connection. Well, I'm glad that we both have found our 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 way, Kelly. So I I did I did that. I worked at this company. They put like sensors on soccer players. So like sometimes you see on athletes like those belts around their chest. And I did that for a little bit. It was it was really awesome, interesting stuff. But my uh, like real passion, like poli sci, and kind of like how does this crazy American experiment work? I was still interested in like seeing behind the scenes, like how, how it, how everything really works. And I got really lucky and was able to uh, apply my tech background into more like politics and civics uh, area. So I kind of pivoted again and I worked uh, in campaign politics on like a congressional campaign. I worked, uh, I organized for fair redistricting, like at the national level after the census. And then most recently, I worked uh, like as an advocate uh, locally where I live in Louisville, Kentucky for fully funded public libraries. Yeah, I think that that advocacy work that you've done and a lot of us have done in this this movement, and Armin, you've been involved in some of the same things, is such a critical part or a way to get to the point of working for an organization that really focuses on implementation because reform is only as successful as the implementation. We can pass all the reforms we want, but if we don't implement well and show the value of that reform, it, it doesn't do the job it was intended to do. So how... Did you actually land at the resource center then? So, you know, after doing all of that work and like seeing a little behind the scenes, I was like, man, like, oh, this is like, what, what's going on here? I met a bunch of 
really interesting people with different perspectives who had a lot of good ideas. And uh, I think what I saw was, unfortunately, those people like not getting opportunities to put those ideas into practice. And it was really frustrating for me. And one of those nights frustrated as I was, you know, looking online for ways to deal with it. I read about Maine's fight for ranked choice voting, which I think happened in like 2018, 16, somewhere around then. I was blown away. I, for the next couple of days, like all I was doing was reading about ranked choice voting. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, and I thought I was pretty plugged in. And so, you know, I saw all the benefits, you know, like eliminating spoilers and increased competition. And, you know, people who are listening to this podcast probably already know all the benefits. But I, I was like super excited. I looked around and eventually I saw the technical program manager position at the RCV Resource Center. And I knew that with my background, I'd be the perfect person to do that job. And here I am. Well, again, we are so happy to have you here and look forward to, to seeing the growth of this program. I mean, I know you're a great friend to the Resource Center and you've been on our podcast before, but can you give us the 30,000 foot view of how you got involved in the ranked choice voting movement? Yeah, it started in Berkeley, California, when I used ranked choice voting for the first time and didn't actually know what it was. I didn't know the term. I just filled out my ballot and voted. And that's how it's supposed to work, right? You don't need to be an expert in RCV to use RCV. And so, you know, eventually when I started becoming more political, I was looking into the set of reforms that would be nice. And I was like, oh, that ranked choice voting, like that was, that did feel nice to vote that way. And I can't do that for my Congress people. I can't do that for my Senator. How come I could do it for my mayor? It was, it was a better way to vote. And so I wanted to spread it. Uh, I started working on the visualizer RCViz, which was the first visualizer for RC Tab back then, known as the Universal RCV Tabulator. Since then, I'm now working on perhaps all sides of the ranked choice voting spectrum. So I'm an advocate bringing it to my new home in Pennsylvania. Uh, I work on the tabulator uh, and I work on the visualizer. That's fantastic. And um, we, we certainly appreciate that work. Before we get on to our actual topic, which is RC Tab, because you guys know I like to, to throw some zingers in there and some sp surprises, tell us a fun fact about yourself. Who wants to go first? I can go first. So a fun fact about me is that I am a twin. I am one of four Ruberg kids, but my brother is only seven minutes younger than I am. And since we're twins, we can connect telepathically and talk to each other. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I always wanted to be a twin, so I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> Armin, how about you? Yeah, I guess a uh, fun update in my life. I got married in May. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. We met on BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, and BART actually just did a story on us that's like seven sections and like tens of thousands of people have like read this story about our BART-themed wedding and our meeting story. So, Oh, I love that. Can you send us the link to that? Because I would love to read the story. <laughs> I will send you a link. Absolutely. Fantastic. I'm sure our listeners might like to read it also. So we're here today to talk about RCTAB, our free open source software. Matthew, let's start with you. For listeners who don't know already what RCTAB is, can you give us that 15 second overview of, of what, what we mean by that particular acronym? Yeah, sure. So 
like you said, RCTAB is tabulation software. And uh, when you're running an election, there's two parts to the election. The first part is marking ballots. So, you know, like as a voter goes in, they mark who they wanted to vote for. And the second part is tabulating the winner. RCTAB works in that second step of the process. So the voting system, whatever the jurisdiction has, that's what's used to like mark who you're voting for. And then the RCTAB takes the output from that voting system of how everyone voted and then tabulates the winner. RCTAB is set up so that each jurisdiction like does it a little bit differently. They can change some settings about how exactly their implementation of ranked choice voting works. So they can change things like how to handle skipped votes or how to handle ties. And you can set all that up through RCTAB to make it work for however your jurisdiction tabulates a winner. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the most interesting things to me. You know, RCTAB includes these settings for every possible RCV law that's in action in the U.S. right now, which is that's a really exciting selling point for us because, you know, often jurisdictions have mandates by legislation or by ballot measure or ordinance or whatever that looks like. And they have to figure out or think about how do we implement this and how do we fund it or can, how are we going to be able to do an upgrade to our system, um, which only one voting system currently has full RCV capacity for tabulation. You know, so we can come in with this software and offer it to a jurisdiction for free or minimal cost if they are prohibited from accepting free services from nonprofits so that they are able to tabulate their software using that information, as you mentioned, the cast vote record, all that information from the ballot that the more voters have voted. Armin, so you contracted with us a few months ago to help our volunteer developers who've been working on this project for several years to update RCTAB. What made you decide to jump into the project at this point? Yeah, so I left my full-time job a few years ago, and I decided to try to make a career out of the two things that I did as a volunteer which was one, bike safety. So if you're a bike commuter, it's super dangerous out there on the roads. And so trying to make roads safer for, for everyday bike commuters. And two, ranked choice voting reform. And so I kind of left my job and figured out, can I make a living doing these two things? And RCTAB is half of that. So RCTAB and RCVIZ is something I'm passionate about. And I don't want to do it as a volunteer. I want to, I want to spend, you know, eight hours a day working on these types of reforms. So very grateful that I had the opportunity with the, the Resource Center. Well, we're, we're grateful that you took that path as well. And, um, you know, like I said, we've worked with you over years on other things, RCVs and some other ecosystem things. So I do wish that the bike safety stuff you're doing was happening in my city. Also, I'm a big biker. I have a great road bike. It is not biker friendly down here in Wilmington, North Carolina. I will tell you that. <laughs> so we're, we got a lot of work to do there. So Matthew, version 1.4.0 is coming out soon. I know it's it's pretty far along in the development stage, almost ready for testing by a Vistal or a voting system testing lab, which is a, a lab that's certified to test voting systems, software and hardware to ensure that they meet the EAC guidelines and standards. What can we expect from the latest update of RCTAB? Yeah, sure. And before I even get started on that, one thing that I'll encourage everyone to do is all of the updates and all of the discussion behind exactly what's happened and what's happening in RCTAB is open to the public in our GitHub. So anyone can come in and get a, a view of exactly like how we make 
changes to RC Tab. And that's what I've been doing for almost two weeks now. And we'll make sure that link is on the homepage for this episode so that listeners can go out and, and take a look at GitHub. You can also download the software there. So And so, uh, you know, I've been combing through that for the past two weeks to kind of get myself up to date with exactly what's going on. And version 1.4.0 is the upcoming version. And it has a lot of improvements. First, I think a lot of quality of life improvements for election administrators. So things like communicating more clearly to users when they're setting up an election, uh, like to avoid any misconfigurations, making it more user friendly, also making it way easier to set up by letting you make changes as you go instead of having to like redo the whole thing if you uh, like set up your election incorrectly compared to what you would wanted to set it up. Another thing is more flexibility for candidate aliases and auto-populating the candidate list. And Armin, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because I think that also has something to do with like allowing input from different like voting systems. And, I, and from what I know in my two weeks, that seems like a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think what we've done is listen to election administrators and figured out what are their pain points, what takes a lot of time. And something that came up over and over is that they make a small mistake like a typo, and then they have to delete a whole set of things and start over from scratch, which is obviously something we want to fix. And little things like that, where we just we heard from them that, hey, it's kind of frustrating. Can you make this a little easier for us? So yeah, letting them edit communicating when they they misconfigure an election. All of that was super important to the administrators, which makes it important to to RC Tab and, and the Resource Center. For some elections, you might have some jurisdictions using a Dominion voting system, some using ESNS, and they might have slightly different configurations. RC Tab handles all of that. So you can have half your election in Dominion, half in ESNS, and heck, you could have half on a Google spreadsheet if you wanted, right? Like we can support whatever combination of things you have. But to do that, it takes a lot of work in the back end. And so we've supported a lot of that, uh, including what you were alluding to, which is candidate aliases. So in some jurisdictions, you know, maybe a middle initial will exist in one but not come through in another, or maybe a write-in candidate is not allowed to be normalized. And so you'll have a lot of different spellings of write-in candidates, and you want all of those to to tabulate to the same person. So we're able to support all of that now. That's exciting. And, and I do think that, you know, all of these updates do show that we have listened to what administrators need and want. We did a few user groups a while back, talked with folks who've actually used it in the field, talked with election administrators who have, you know, the experience that, right, they are doing the election and, and that we know what they need. One of the other things I think that's really exciting to me, particularly since New York City uses this for their special elections and their primaries, is that they, we've worked on RCTAB to handle millions of CVRs more effectively. Can you tell us a little bit about that, either Matthew or Armin, just what that means for the software? Sure. So a lot of these computers used for tabulation are, I would say, less powerful than your cell phone. Right? These are lockdown computers in very specific rooms with hardware that you can trust. And so as such, they tend to be less powerful. They don't have a lot of memory. They don't have a fast CPU. And so we need to be able to handle these super resource-constrained computers and still tabulate elections with millions 
uh, of voters, which means millions of cast vote records. And so we do that now. Now we, we use uh, a much lighter memory footprint so we can support these super low-end computers uh, and still tabulate giant elections. Yeah, that's great. And you're right. I, I'm, and I want to reiterate a point that you made about how RCTAB is used in the field. So tell us a little bit about these computers that they're, they're being used to run the tabulation software. What makes them secure? Are they connected to a network, not connected to a network? What does that mean? So these computers need to be trusted. And in computer security, you basically can't trust anything if it's connected to the internet because you never know what hackers are going to what hackers are going to do. And so all of these computers are isolated from the World Wide Web. They are standalone computers. No hackers from Russia can even look at the computer, right? It's it's in a room and it's isolated. So so we take security super seriously, more than just isolating the computer. We also want to make sure that people in the room can't sneak in and modify anything. And so we take steps to make sure that even the files are secure within this secure computer. Security is everything in elections and trust is everything. And so we really go through a lot of steps to increase the security in addition to the hardware, which is already secure. And it's all open source. So anybody can go in and take a look at our security protocols and validate them and make suggestions if if they have ways to improve it. Yeah. And and even as far as to, you know, when jurisdictions use RCTAB, they get a trusted build of RCTAB. And in our documentation, we also make recommendations about process and procedure and suggest that there should be a team of two at all times when anyone is using the computer. So that there's a lot of catch points to make sure that the security stays strong. And, and like you said, security is everything for elections. Thank you for, for explaining that a little more for us. So, Armin, you've been around RCTAB from the beginning, kind of. You, you've been around the movement. You know you know what's gone into a little love, a little blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of great programming and coding. What, what are some challenges you see as we move forward with RCTAB? One of the challenges is the dichotomy between having a software we want everybody to be able to use and a software that is trusted for election administrators. So we're threading this line between a user-friendly interface and a very secure interface. And one example of that is before you tabulate any election, we need to ask who you are so that if there's an audit that happens later, we know exactly who is using the computer. Now, this is kind of annoying for an average user because why do they have to enter their name? But the reason is we have no other way to know who is behind the computer, right? We can't just trust a username because multiple people could be using the same account. And so those types of things are, are difficult to thread, helping both the average person running their high school pizza contest, as well as these super secure elections, helping millions of people elect a next leader. I, I find that one of the biggest challenges and one of the most rewarding parts, because it's, it's very unique to have these set of challenges. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that people that are not election administrators do use our RC tab software. Um, I've used it several times, made my own cast vote record when we've done some of our poll elections. I've used RCV with my tennis team to see when we could have a party. So it's very useful tool. Um, there's some online tools too that you can do it really easily and quickly. So let's turn it on the other side. Matthew, this is a really innovative and cutting edge solution in the RCV voting world. What do you think the future of RC tab is? Where do you see it going? Well, I know one thing that I'm 
interested in the future of RC Tab. As a former software developer myself, I'm interested in like helping build like a, a welcoming open source community like around RC Tab. I mean, we have excellent developers working on this project right now and i would say like for anyone who has a skill like that i want to make it like really easy and welcoming for someone to like join us and help you know move rc tab forward you know in the two weeks i've heard a lot of ideas about you know like what we can do to make rc tab even better but making that happen requires people getting down and writing software and so we're really lucky to have armin and other developers help us out. But I'm really looking forward to uh, potentially like making a bigger tent for people to get involved. Absolutely. I, I think making a bigger tent across this movement helps us move it farther along, helps us continue to grow in the way that we want to grow. I mean, I'd be interested. What, what do you see for the future of RCTAB? I would love to see RCTAB used more and more widely. I think it's a super powerful thing to be able to see exactly how your elections are run. And having people do it in their everyday lives is, is an insight into the electoral process that previously wasn't possible. You can see how cast vote records get counted. You can see how votes get tabulated. I think it can really increase an ecosystem of trust where the public doesn't feel like it's a black box, right? They understand exactly what's happening Ranked choice voting isn't magic. Voting isn't magic. Cast vote records aren't nefarious files, right? It, it's all very easy and laid out. And you can just look at it and learn how to trust it. And I, I think that's something that's powerful about the open source ecosystem arising in, in voting systems and especially about RCTAB. Absolutely. I think sometimes you know we, we don't trust what we don't know or understand or what we can't see often. And voting system companies, understandably, are proprietary about their products. But, you know, making this open to people's eyes so they see that these are the kinds of things that happen in the election office. This is what's happening on election night when we're getting numbers coming in. Um, it's critical. I, I really believe that. So, um, and yeah, I hope to, I think by continuing to push the development of RC Tab forward, I hope that we push the movement forward in a way that all jurisdictions have access to the things they need to run this kind of election. You know, whether it be upgraded equipment and, and voting systems or funding to do the things they need to do. I hope this is one part of that that pushes that forward. Okay, so this is our signature RCB Clips question. Armin, I'm going to have you go first. Describe software development in three words or less. Constantly squashing bugs. Highly appropriate after we talked about water bugs in Florida and North Carolina earlier. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Uh, I picked fascinating superpower. Awesome. So I do have one more for you, Matthew, that I didn't put in here. Hit me. Three words about being a twin. <laughs> <laughs> Three words about being a twin. Uh, I feel you. I love that. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. Well, Armin, we look forward to reading about your 
wedding and your your love story. That's so cool that they did the story on you all. And we look forward, Matthew, to, to seeing where RCTAP goes from here. Um, I think we're in just, it feels exciting to me. I feel like we're in a, a new era for the software. I think we're going to see some big things happening and we appreciate you know, your time. I mean, we appreciate your time. And of course, you know, Lewis and Hilton, our developers who've been working on this in the long term, and John, our board member, really and truly appreciate all the work that's gone into this. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, a useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's RCVRC summer intern Deirdre Keenan with this month's final round. Did you know that Alaskans for Better Elections hosted a mock NNM election last year to educate Alaskans about the state's new ranked choice voting system? Using an RCV ballot, voters were able to choose between eight different flavors at NNMs and now have peanut butter as Alaska's favorite NNM flavor. This unique method of helping voters practice ranked choice voting makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our August 2023 RCV Clips episode produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates and take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about RCVRC and Ranked Choice Voting, check out our website at www.rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website, and don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at rcvresources.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rcvresources, and on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at rcvrc. If you have a few minutes, fill out the listener survey linked in the show notes for this episode. The survey is short and will only take a few minutes of your time. We would love to hear your feedback and ideas. Thank you. Our theme music today is Flutterby by Poddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Kelly on behalf of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.